Proverbs 18, 14. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. The word infirmity there means weakness. But a wounded spirit who can bear. So the, the author of this proverb is saying this. That within the power of the spirit of a man, there is the strength and ability to sustain weakness. To sustain trouble. To sustain crisis. But when the inner workings of a man becomes wounded, now that that woundedness makes it feel as though it's something you cannot bear. And I would submit to you today that rejection is one of the deepest demonic wounds that we face. Now, in truth, we're all going to be rejected. Maybe it was on the athletic fields of our school when they were choosing teams and you were the last one consistently to get picked in and you felt some type of way. Maybe at birth, one of your parents uh, left you or maybe you were adopted or maybe your parents got a divorce and somewhere inside of you, you felt as though it was your fault. The, the reality is it's impossible to go through life without rejection. But this wound will permeate everything you do. There are people under the sound of my voice that greatness is in your spiritual DNA. That when God planted you on planet earth, he positioned you for greatness. But you are walking so far beneath the space and place God has ordained you to be because of this unresolved wound called rejection. Some of us become professional fortress builders. I wrote a poem about that. I've never shared it. I don't know if I'll ever share it. If I feel led to, I will, but it's personal. I wrote a poem called Walls. We become professional fortress builders. And so we do life with everybody at the security of our walls. Sometimes we construct those walls with false boldness. We are known as bold. Oh, she's so bold. Oh, he's so bold. But in reality, now I'm not speaking against boldness. I believe we need some Jehus in the church. I believe we need some people that their yes is yes and their no is no. I believe we need decisive people. Not everybody can be diplomatic. Some people have to just be decisive. But I believe that some people create a false boldness because they build a fortified system around them. And then we have those that the, those that that are premature uh, rejectors. Their methodology of protecting their wounded space is they'll reject somebody preemptively. That was the word I was looking for. If they think they're going to be rejected, they'll reject them. Some of us have quit jobs because we just thought maybe I'm being rejected. And before anyone can reject me, I'm going to quit. Some of us have visited the right apostolic ministry that God was calling us to be a part. But we didn't feel like we were being affirmed and accepted. And so out of this wounded space and wounded place, we removed ourselves. And I wonder how many of us, see it's hard for me to understand that because I remember when I got saved and went off to Bible school. And I remember going through hard things and difficult things. I was talking to a young man that asked me to father him in the spirit. And I said, if you're looking for someone that's going to call you every night at midnight and talk two hours, I'm not the person. But if you want someone that's going to launch you onto another level, if you'll listen, I am the person. And I said, sometimes rejection will keep you from being connected where you need to connect. Because God will allow you to be in places and spaces that reveal you. He cannot heal you until he first reveals you and oftentimes what we think is a demonic attack is really the wound arising and I need to tell some of you as we launch this deliverance series that though you are prophetic and though you are wise and though you are brilliant underneath it all is this wound called rejection 
Some of us are people who build false relationships because of rejection. Our friendship community is a mile wide and an inch deep. We're friends with everybody but don't really know anybody. We give a version of ourselves to people that is incomplete. We don't allow people, and this is what I think is so I struggle with in the church, is that we want to have relationship with one another, but it's not authentic. We ask each other, how are you? I'm wonderful, and your dog just got ran over by a car. Oh, I'm blessed. I'm de- and I understand sometimes we're speaking not where we're at, but we're speaking where we believe God is telling. Look, there's some battles you go through. If you open your mouth in the middle of the battle, what comes out is not going to be helpful. There's some battles you go through that you just got to prophesy. I understand that. But I also understand how can you really do life with somebody if you can't be vulnerable in front of them? But the truth is the church can be a place where vulnerability is used against people because when you begin to let them see your scars and let them see your wounds. Now the prophetic people, you know the deep folks, they're like, I knew she was like that. I knew she, they hear her, she talked about how many partners she had and I knew she was lustful. I felt that years. And she was trying to open up her brokenness to you because she thought she found a place of family. Some of us, our prophetic gifting flows through the wound of rejection. And so if we begin to speak a word into somebody's life and they don't react a certain way, immediately we get upset. And then we go toxic. Because you know the line sometimes between prophetic and witchcraft is thin. Sometimes it's about as thick as this metal piece, right? I mean, I can just step over when I begin to prophesy to somebody or about somebody because I'm working out a wound that I'm frustrated and irritated and I don't like the way they treated me. And so now I'm going to be deep and I'm going to correct and I'm going to rebuke and I'm going to prophesy. But the intent of my heart is to work through the wound that I'm walking in. That is not prophetic. That's divining. Because see, prophecy is not the word of Ryan. Prophecy is the word of the Lord. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. But a wounded spirit, who can bear? What this demon called rejection does is establish a mindset. All demons have mindsets attached to them. Mindsets unlock appetites. And once you unlock an appetite, you need deliverance. Because now you've got a a pull towards something. So the elements of a wounded mind, let me give them to you quickly. I'm going to teach a little bit tonight. Number one, it's indecisive. Because most, most rejected people, most people that have suffered rejection never had affirmation. And in the lack of affirmation, there's indecisiveness. James 1.8 said a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. The danger of being double-minded is one minute God told you to do this and the next minute God told you to do that. And see, if I'm the devil, I don't even have to get you clubbing. I don't even have to get you sleeping around. I can just get you being prophetic and indecisive. And so you feel stimulated all the time but not very rooted. You start one business and you don't see it through. And then you start another business and you don't, come on. And then you start a ministry and you don't see it through. And then you join a church and you don't see it. And now you're not only dealing with rejection, but you're dealing with a sense and it's false that your faith is not working. But it's not your faith that's not working. It's your mind that's not working. A double-minded man. See, you didn't say a double-spirited man. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. How many entrepreneurs do I have before me? Wow. 
I think we probably need to have some entrepreneur classes. Amen. I remember working to get to six figures in my entrepreneurship. And I remember believing for 50K and getting 5K. You know what I did? I cried that night, but I got up the next day and said, how can I do it better? And then getting to 10K and say, we're still not at 50, but we're going to get there. We had to keep on going. Anything God calls you to, you're going to have to have the spirit of faith, entrepreneurs. You're going to have to know that God placed you where God placed you. And favor ain't fair. If there's a reason you're going to prosper where others are not prospering, there's a reason you're going to succeed where others are not succeeding. You are only one connection away from a breakthrough in your life. All God has to do is cause one person to like you. But I found this. Psalms 1 said, blessed is the man who's planted. See, trees, if you uproot a tree too many times, it'll go into something called root shock. Some of us are running for deliverance, but our problem is root shock. We were five years to the prophetic church and thought we were prophets. Then we went two years to the teaching church and thought we were teachers. Then we went three years to the evangelistic and we don't know what the heck we are because we got transplanted so many times. We got root shock going on in our lives that, and we think, I, I, well, I'm demon. No, it's not a demon. It's a root shock in your mind because you don't know who you are. And when you don't know who you are, you don't show up as yourself. And your assignment was not made for any version of you other than the full potent version. When a lesser expressed version of you shows up, it doesn't have the ability to walk through the door. Because God did not create the door for half of you. God created the door for all of you. Most of you, the struggle in your entrepreneurship is not even your industry. You could change industries. It don't matter. I know there's people like, oh, well, it's about passion. It, baby, it, it, passion don't pay all the bills. You could be passionate about farming chickens, but nobody's buying your chickens, but they're paying you to wash cars, get you a car washing crew because the Benjamins spend the same. It don't matter if you wash the car to get it or you grew a chicken to get it. So you can change industries. But when you don't show up, as the version of yourself that is matured and completed. The reason that David was so effective against Goliath was the process he went through. And we know that David's life, and I don't have time to go there, it was rooted over and over and over again in rejection. I would submit to you, people that often become greatly expressive lovers of God have faced deep valleys of rejection. They've turned to every modality for healing and couldn't find it. So when they worship Jesus, it comes from a place of depth. And I believe the reason that David wrote the Psalms he wrote is because of the rejection. His, his worship was his sustaining power and grace. When we're double-minded, we have ineffective faith and unnecessary turmoil. It robs the power of vision. We become convinced of the devil's voice in our lives more than the voice of God. And so we run from challenges. Many of you quit something too quickly. You quit it before the seed began to bear fruit. See, the Bible tells us that the kingdom of God operates this way. First the seed, then the root, then the blade, and then the fruit. 
The kingdom is progressive. Your promotion is usually, now God is God and God can be out God and God can do what God wants to do. You could be like Esther. You're unknown one night and you're ruling over a nation the next day. But most of the time the kingdom grows in progressive stages. If God can't trust you with $100 a week, he's probably not going to give you $1,000 a week. And if God can't trust you with $1,000 a week, he's probably not going to give you $2,500 a week. And we could just progress that on and on. If God can't trust you, to lead to, well, I, you know, I'm disbelieving, I'm a prophet, and you, you're a door greeter, and you're consistently 15 minutes late. Your mouth is saying you're committed, but your body is showing up non-committed. And people begin to assess you based on that, because what you do is, is, is evidence of your conviction. We're living in the digital age. Why would we get in our car? Who drove 30 minutes or more to get here tonight? 45 minutes or more. Why, why would we do that? We could just watch on our phone. We had a conviction. I need to be in the space. I, there's something God's going to have for me. And so I'm sure, I'm sure if I was to take a survey, many of you thought, you know, it's, I'm tired. It's been a long week. I've had a lot going on. I got a busy Monday. And there was a part of your brain that said, why don't I just lay out? But you were committed. You were committed. See, the difference between those that conquered their mountains and those that just stare at them is an element called commitment. Rejection will diminish your commitment because you're indecisive. You're consistently, now prophetic people love new things. It's a part of the prophetic DNA and personality. But you, and it's fine. Ecclesiastes declares that everything, there's a time and a season. I think we're seeing in the body of Christ, things slowly dry up because people didn't shift with the season. We're in a different season. I don't believe we're going to build churches the same way we have for the last hundred years. We're in a different season. I believe we're going to have to get good at home groups. I believe we're going to have to get good at media ministry. I believe we're going to have to get good at not just web streaming, but actually building communities online. I believe we're going to have to navigate all these spaces and places in the area we're in but at the same time our commitment needs to be firm we cannot waver in what God said and this is the thing about apostolic people I remember I was preaching in Texas and I was preaching in this little college town in Texas and I was standing in this church and they had uh, somebody doing worship and I you know this is the deep stuff preachers thing I was standing in this church and I thought this is a horrible worship like hurting my ears Messing with my spirit, I don't, I, I don't even know how to recover. You know, as a preacher, uh, you, you kind of observe and you think like, well, should I just go up and start praying, right? Should I go and do this and go do it? And, you know, sometimes if they hand it to you cold, you just think, well, I'll just go straight in the message. I, I don't, couldn't even find the message. I mean, the worship was so bad. And I'm standing there thinking to myself, this is some of the worst worship I've ever heard in my life. Like, I'm praying, God, break the microphone. Have the sound system. Have, have the lady something to get stuck in her throat. I know that's witchcraft, but I, I may need to repent afterwards. Please just stop this madness. You know, there's, I don't know if any of you ever been in services like this where someone gets up and says, I'm not much of a singer, but I'm going to sing. And I think, no, that is not your gift. That is not your gift. Please, please, please. That's not your gift. And so this was that kind of a person. And I'm standing there, and the Holy Spirit says to me, I, my presence is all over this room. I said, well, I'm glad you, you're feeling something, Lord, because I'm not feeling nothing. 
Nothing. And the Lord says to me, get happy about it. I said, I don't know what to get happy. If the microphone broke, lightning struck, I'd get happy. And the Lord says, you're an apostle, and you're going to go into places where you don't feel a thing. You're going to go into places where you set up chairs and only five people show up, and you got to preach to the five like you preach to 5,000. He said, apostolic people don't give up. Apostolic people don't get weary. Apostolic people are not moved by what they see, what they hear. I wonder to myself, how many people under the sound of my voice, God wants to hand you the destiny of a city, but you're going to have to press through your own insecurities. You're going to have to press through your own past failures. You're going to have to press through some things. I remember going to Croatia and God said I'm giving you this nation and for a period of about five years every time I went to that nation the national I'm not talking about Christian because there was no Christian media. The secular media showed up they wanted to know about the miracles every time I went to that place we had to rent the civic center because people couldn't fit in the churches. God gave me that nation and when God gives you a territory it's because you persevered through some stuff you got to be able to press through some stuff. Can't be indecisive, but it's part of a rejected mind. The second element of rejected mind is you're troubled. Martha was troubled. Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha, you're fussing too much. It's a message translation. I like that one sometimes. You're fussing too much and getting yourself worked up. We need an ATL translation. It might have had some other kind of words instead of fussing there. You're fussing too much. And getting yourself worked up over nothing. How many people do you know that get worked up over nothing? They're worked up because the, the car is not, uh, is not, you know, the air conditioner is not moving fast enough for them. They're worked up because I, I, was, I was at a place uh, uh, where people buy smoothies. And a woman walked in and got her bowl. And she said, I ordered protein. The lady said, it's in there. And she started tasting. And she, I don't taste the protein. And she went back up, said, I ordered. She went through every worker, held up the whole line, everybody in the place. Until the worker that made her bowl come out and explained to her, it's in your bowl. And I thought to myself, man, if protein can get you that messed up in world, I mean, I understand you're working on goals or whatever it is, but you've just let the devil, you, you, you've just imparted destruction to everybody in here. Everybody's frustrated. I was ready to, to, I was ready to say bad stuff to the lady, and I love God and a preacher. I was praying in the spirit that I wouldn't lose it on her. I said, God bless the staff. But when you are dealing with a rejected soul, there's constant turmoil. And here's the thing. You think what's going on inside of you is around you, but it's not around you. It's inside of you. Some of y'all deserve. I just deserve. No, you're discerning yourself. We're not all unhappy. We're not all worked up. We're not all frustrated. What you're discerning is yourself. And listen, I don't want you discerning me if you can't deal with you effectively. You start working on you. You show up on time, have good relationships, pay your bills, and be stable. And then you can come talk to me about me. But for right now, I'm good. Troubled. Martha was troubled. Jesus is right there, and she can't get into his presence. Why? Because there was rest on the inside. People that are dealing with rejection have a lack of peace. Now, here's a huge part of rejected soul. It's unrealistic and unhealthy expectations. Your expectations greatly determine your level of happiness. If you expect things from human beings that they're not capable of, 
you're going to live in constant frustration. And you know what I've learned is most human beings expect things of people they don't actually give. I see people, I'm just a real one. I just tell people what I think. And they do. But then the minute somebody does it to them, now they're demonized. You were fussing me out last week because I was in your seat and you were calling me everything but saved. And now I just said to you, please don't do that. And now I'm demonized. Come on. Now I got all kind of bondage and issues and you're praying for my deliverance. But I thought you was a real one. Most of the time we don't give what we want from people. Well, I just want to be loved. Well, you got to give that. People go to church and say, well, I'm not making friends. I said, people come to the first church I plan and say, well, I, I'm not getting enough friends. And I'd say, look, I, it's not my job to gain you friends. The Bible said if you want friends, show yourself friendly. So you've got to learn to cultivate. Relationship cultivation is a skill, and it's connected to your emotional intelligence. Most of us have unrealistic expectations. Our expectations frames our relationships. Many of us are offended by things that should have never been expected in the first place. It provides, when we don't provide a proper definition of a relationship, we miss a critical element. I people would say, I want you to mentor me. And then really they didn't want a mentor, they want a friend. And I tell them this, the Bible says you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. You got to decide you want a buddy or you want a mentor. Because uh, the assignment of a mentor is never to affirm you, it's to grow you. That affirmation can be a part of growth, but usually growth happens in the uncomfortable spaces. So when we want, well, I, 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 you know, I just want someone to have coffee with me. That, that may happen, but it may not. The mentee never dictates the pace of the relationship. Why? Because I'm coming to you to learn something that you know that I need to know. Therefore, I've got to operate on your schedule. I've got to figure out how you move. If you talk fast and i got to voice record, then I do that. If you want to do Zoom meetings and you don't want to in person, i got to do that. If you only mentor groups, i got to do that. Why? Because I'm trying to get something from you to elevate me. But many times, we don't define relationships properly. And so we've got people in our lives we're looking to for certain things that that's not the definition of the relationship. And so we get offended and frustrated. When we begin to discover boundaries, it's a critical protection mechanism for our relationships. And we've got to have compassion and empathy for other people. We cannot expect of people what we don't deliver. Another mark of a rejected mind is an intense desire for affirmation. Some of us will go anywhere if we get affirmation. We would join a church that we don't agree with five of ten things, but because they are nice to us and make that wound feel better, we will go there. And it's a very human need. We all need affirmation. So I'm not preaching against it, but I'm saying this. It becomes dangerous when you are born again, called of God, filled with the Holy Ghost, and you've got a rejection wound, and you are looking for affirmation from everybody because I found Jezebel can be very affirming. 
When that demon wants to seduce you, it will, it will begin to speak. Oh, I just see more for you. I see the Lord. You know, the Lord is taking you out of this relationship. See, Jezebelic prophets always prophesying everybody out of relationships. They're never giving a word to someone. You need to stay in the relationship, baby, and work through that. You need to uh, plow that relationship. You need to be diligent in that. No, they're always, well, they're not seeing you. And the, that's the first way to judge a prophecy. When the prophecy is all about you and ain't about Jesus, there's a problem. But Jezebel will woo you over with affirmation. And then once that demon gets a grip on you, it'll begin to torment you and harass you. And many times, if we don't deal with rejection, we will be displaced from destiny by opportunity or affirmation. Relationships should never, authentic ones should never be contingent on opportunity. I've never joined with the leader because I wanted opportunity from the leader. Opportunity can be a byproduct of kingdom relationships, but opportunity is a cheap relational currency. Imagine if I said to my wife, baby, I love you. I think, you know, you're so sexy. You're so this, you're so that, but you ain't giving me enough opportunity. And Judy over here, she giving me all kind of opportunity. I heard the women of God over there getting mad. It's not a real thing. It's an example. But that's how we do the kingdom of God. God called me to be a prophet, and the Lord told me to go to this Bible college. And then we get in that Bible college, and nobody's using our gift. Well, are we prostitutes or are we covenant people? We just want to be used all the time. I just want my gift to be used. Oh, Lord, use me. Oh, God, you let someone use me. And God said, no, I want to teach you to build relationships where you discover things about yourself. I found out relationships are the place of discovery. I had a young son call me after he got married and said, Dad, I'm going going through hell. I said, it's called marriage, son. He said, I think this woman's trying to kill me. I said, God is trying to kill you. God is trying to get all your flesh out of you. God puts, isn't God, I mean, God is wild how God does. God puts this crazy sex driving people and then says, it's illegal for you to do this unless you're married. And when you get married, you need a, some of y'all, I just lost some of y'all right there. It's all right. Grace, grace be unto you. It's illegal. Unless you get married, and then when you get married, it needs to be forever. And you get married and think, my God, what did I get myself into? Because uh, the woman don't think nothing like you, and your man don't think nothing like you think. I've had women say, well, he don't think like me. I said, because he's a man. He's not supposed to think like you. Well, he's not sensitive. He's not supposed to be as sensitive as you are. That's why God puts you together. That's why Paul said, this is a great mystery, but I'm speaking concerning Christ and the church. God said, I'm going to cause you to be in relationships that cause a death to your personal agenda. What did Jesus do? Because he loved the church. He sacrificed for the church. He died for the church. What did Jesus say? If you take up your cross and follow me, that's what the Lord said on this Palm Sunday. He challenged us to follow him, and the road is filled with death. Covenant is the disillusion of my own rights and privileges. Well, I don't believe that. Give me Bible. I'll give you Bible. Love your wife as Christ of the church. Christ didn't go fuss out the church when she wasn't doing what he wanted. He might rebuke us. The Bible said who the Lord loves, he corrects. But then I got a scripture for all the women of God. The, no, I wasn't going to quote that. You, you, your wife looks vexed right now. 
Did you appreciate that, Danielle? <laughs> no, the scripture I was going to give is your body doesn't belong to you. Your body doesn't belong to you. That means, well, I'm tired from praying. But your man says, hey, baby, I have a need here. Come on. I need, you, you know, your body doesn't belong to you. And so, but I don't feel like it. That's exactly why God puts you in that relationship. Because he's teaching you to move on a foundation that is deeper than your feelings. To love somebody means I'm going to be there in the good times. I'm going to be there in the bad times. I'm going to be there in the difficult times. God doesn't put us in relationship with one another for just when things are going smooth and going well. God puts us in relationship because we need each other. There's going to be valleys we go through. There's going to be crises as we go through. There's going to be things we go through that we can't seem to get on the other side. I can tell you, men of God, when you got a prophetic wife, she will begin to call the gold out of you. She will begin to speak to the king that you are called to be. I can tell you, women of God, when you get a man of God that loves God and loves you like Christ loves the church, he's going to have unwavering love for you. And God's going to work through that relationship. God could have done it individually, but God God said, upon this rock, I will build my church. That is not a word that means one person or two people. It means a called out army. We are in this thing together. Someone say together. We are in this thing together. But rejection will keep us separated. Intense desire for affirmation. Another sign is an intense or an unhealthy pain process. Pain is going to come to everybody, and pain is one of the greatest teachers. Pain will teach you what not to do. Pain will teach you what does not work. Pain will teach you what's dangerous for you. Pain will teach you the things that are destructive in your life. But many times when we've navigated life through a lens of rejection and then we get into pain, we have an unhealthy pain process. We don't know how to process pain. I don't know if you've ever been this way, but I've been this way at seasons in my life. It was easy for me to tell people what I really thought when I got mad. If I got mad enough, I become bold as a lion. I'm good. But, but when I was not angry to sit down with you and in a mature fashion say, I don't like it when you do A, B, C, and D. It's not comfortable to me. This is not the way we're going. It was not easy. Why? Because I had an Im imbalanced pain process. Why? Because when you go through rejection, you often learn skills of communication that are unhealthy. You don't know how to communicate in a solid, sound, and biblical manner. So you will communicate things in an unhealthy way. You will process pain in an unhealthy way. Some of us think anytime we're in pain, it's the devil. But sometimes it's we are reaping what we've sown. And there's a lesson there. If I want to reap different, I got to sow different. Sometimes pain is indicating that it's a seasonal shift or transition. Look, when a baby outgrows their shoes, if you don't give them a new pair of shoes, pain will be the result. When you outgrow spaces and places, when you outgrow people and assignments, when you outgrow certain concepts and things then you will begin to have pain but that pain is not demonic always that pain is not evil always but when we deal with rejection and a rejected mind we don't know how to process pain in a healthy way some of us don't know how to draw boundaries without getting angry another indicator of a, a, a mind that is rejected is instability rejected people are unstable 
When you couple that with improper prophetic teaching, it opens the door for a vagabond spirit. Maybe I'll teach on that during this series. But a vagabond spirit is a demon that drives you out of things. It'll put poverty in your life because you don't stay committed to a purpose long enough. It will cause you not to do great in the call of God on your life because you don't get planted and rooted long enough. You don't navigate the valleys long enough. You don't go through storms well. You don't get through certain seasons well. And you can begin to believe, well, I'm just prophetic, so God calls me. I've met these people through the years that Jesus is their pastor. Oh, Jesus is my pastor. I just go from church to church as the Lord leads. These people cause messes everywhere they go. And it's not that it's a wrong thought to think Jesus is your ultimate leader. He is. All men are fallible. But the Bible said, submit to them that have authority over you. Obey them that rule over your soul, for they shall give an account. The Bible's filled with instruction, but deception enters in. And oftentimes, rejection is the doorway it enters in through. So instability is a part of it. And then stunted emotional development. I don't know, ladies, if you've ever dated any men that had this syndrome. I call it the grown child syndrome. Their body's full grown, but their mind is stunted. And the rejected mind creates a grown child syndrome where a person displays a stunning level of immaturity. They should be. They're 35 years old, but they're back at 14 when they were traumatized. They're back at 15. They're back at 16. And then some of y'all date them. Well, I, I, I'm going to get me a fixer upper. Listen, men aren't like houses that you can flip. Well, if I just invest enough in him, he's going to change. Listen, you got to let God do the changing. You got to let God do the working. You got to let God do the thing. Don't you go and get a fixer up a relationship. And then a year from now, two years from now, you're, you're in divorce court. And well, I don't know how God let me down. God didn't let you down. You lack something called wisdom. But sometimes rejection will cause a grown child syndrome. We're 45 years old and acting like we're 20 years old, getting angry with people flying off the handle, cutting people off, acting silly, acting petty. And it may sound ridiculous, but look, I've known preachers that preach to thousands. And somebody that's their friend say one thing they don't like, and, I, and they go to blocking them on all social media. I have known some of the most powerful people to be so petty. Because you can be powerful and petty at the same time. What you cannot be is you cannot be pure and petty at the same time. Because to be pure means you're mature. And maturity is not a gift of the Spirit. Maturity is the fruit of a well-lived process that you've moved with God through seasons and places of development. God will send people in your life to teach you what not to do. I know we all want a good mentor. We want a mentor that loves us and loves God. But sometimes God will give you a mean-spirited mentor, a nasty mentor, a mentor that doesn't walk in love because God is showing you this is who you could become if you don't go through the process process called development. Some of you have already had people in your life that you dislike because they remind you of you on some level. That went over most of your heads because you're not in touch with yourself enough to know that's what you're feeling. You just think it's a demon, but actually it's a mirror. You see things in them that reminds you of the unhealed parts of your soul. And the thing that offends you 
is because it is uncomfortable. It's too close to home. Another thing rejection will manifest is false identity. I've got four different forms of false identity identity that happens in rejection. Number one is the workaholic. I've dealt with this. We strive for approval and affirmation. We define ourselves by achievement. Have you ever noticed when you fly on airplanes or you're in buses or cars and you meet new people, the first thing they do, they ask you, what do you do? I remember I was seated on an airplane and a woman came in to sit next to me. And I thought, this woman is very pretty and she's somebody. I don't know who she I was alone, uh, but I was still sanctified. But I said, uh, I don't know who she is. So I just finally said, I know you, but I don't know who you are. Oh, I was on television. And then I realized. It was Phaedra from Housewives of Atlanta. And so she was sitting in the seat over here. And Phaedra started asking me, what do you do? And I started, I preach. And so she said, what do you do? And we go talk. And we start talking about Jesus. But people always ask you, what do you do? And so it's easy in 2023 to define ourselves by what we do. It's easy to define ourselves by what we've accomplished. I could tell you I've written best-selling books. I could tell you I have a doctorate degree. I could tell you all the nations I've traveled to. Those are things I've done, but that's not who I am. Who I am is more than what I've done because there are parts of my personality that are still in development. Even in this fourth decade of living, there are things God wants to do in me and God wants to do through me that are greater than what God did in the past. So what I have done and what I do do are not the completion of who I am. But when we find approval in what we do, If we have rejection, we often go into workaholic mode. The second mode is the people pleaser. You ever meet a people pleaser? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You tell them I hate your jacket. Oh, I love you. Thank you. Your hair looks horrible. Oh, God bless you. I love your honesty. It's so refreshing. The people please. You gotta watch those people please now because they're scary. When they break, it, it's bad. Yes, I remember I was preaching at a church and the, I, I just did this church. I said, God, if you get me out of this church, I know I will never come back to this church. Uh, this man of God, I knew he was manipulative, cunning, abusive. And I, he was, his wife was driving us and his wife was like that. Oh, God bless you. And all of a sudden we got stuck in traffic. And that thing started to crack. And I said, oh, God. There's a lot of pinup stuff down there, and I just want to get out of this car. You know what she did? She just ran off one night in the middle of the night and left that man of God. People pleaser. Act like everything is fine. Feel guilty for expressing needs. Feel guilty for expressing desires. Feel guilty for boundaries. Unwilling to ever say no or even express an honest opinion because there's a fear of possible rejection. A third type of personality, false identity that can develop is a dependent victim. These are people who are drawn to narcissistic people because they crave their strength. They perceive their strength as love and they become dependent on it. They want to be told what to do. They want to be told where to go. 
They want to be told what clothes to wear. They want, I remember there was a church that uh, we, we took over a church. I've started churches and took over churches, taking over churches far harder than starting a church. And I took over this church, but it was about a 50-person congregation when I got it. And so all the members started scheduling meetings with me. Now, I had my congregation that was about 250 people, and I had barely any meetings. But now I got this 50-member church, and I got my calendar stacked with meetings. And one one comes in, uh, uh, Pastor. I, I'm thinking about buying a car, and I'm trying to figure out to get a, I don't remember, but I'm just making a Nissan or a Honda. And I said, woman of God, one thing I'm not going to do is tell you what car. I know your other leaders did that, and there was only 50 of you here, but I'm here to grow you up so you can make your own decisions. I'm not here to decide for you. But sometimes we will, we will view control as love. And there's a danger because we become dependent victims. And then the fourth kind of person, I know somebody on Facebook or YouTube or in the building has dealt with one of these, is the control freak. They're so scared of getting hurt, they got to keep everything around them feeling safe. They get these are the people get in your car until you turn the music down. Well, I didn't ask you. It's my car. I'm cold. Well, I'm sorry you're cold, but you're in the passenger seat. Close your vents. Oh, don't turn there. Go down there. No, don't go down that way. Go this way. Do you ever been around these people? My wife says I'm that way when she drives, but I think that's a lie. Your mother's that way? She's pointing at you. I'm sorry. Deliverance. If her boyfriend is watching, we're getting some news here. The control freak. Come on, we feel like if we can keep everything under wraps, it'll be safe. And we can begin to use spiritual language. Well, I'm just this way, and I'm just that way, and I'm just this way. If you have to spend exorbitant amount of time explaining your dysfunction, it's evidence you need to be healed. You need to be delivered. And so we are so self-protecting that we are trying to limit any experience that would feel like rejection. So we're going to control the atmosphere around us. It's a false identity. Now, how do I dig out of this hole? Number one, you've got to learn the acceptance of Abba Father. And when I say this, I don't mean in this sermon. I mean, you've got to get your Bible out. And you've got to begin to study God because if you've been rejected, many of you are comfortable with the Holy Spirit. You're not comfortable with the Father. I was reading a book on, on the, father's, the Father's heart. And I felt so convicted. I thought, I love the Holy Spirit. He's my friend. He's my teacher. He's my helper. Oh, I love Jesus. He's my elder brother. He went to the cross. I envision him. I see him bleeding and wounded, seated at the right hand of God. But the Father scares me. He's up there seated on the throne. He's the just judge. But he's the one behind the plan. He's the one that said, that I so love the world, I'm going to give the most precious thing I've got, my son. He's the one that said, I can't leave my bride alone. I've got to send the Holy Spirit to comfort them and counsel them. He's the one. And here's what rejection will do. Rejection will have us running from God when we should be running towards God. It's Paul that writes in Ephesians, having predestined us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ, he made us accepted in 
in the beloved. Friends, I want to tell you, members, I want to tell you, Global Up Campus, I want to tell you, no matter what the devil has said, no matter what the devil has done, there is a God that loves you. He loves you in the middle of your addiction. He loves you in the middle of your depression. He loves you in the middle of your lust. He loves you in the middle of your compromise. And in fact, it is God that said that you can boldly come before the throne of grace in the time of need. It's the devil that has told you that when you fall short, God locks you out. It's the devil that's told you when you mess up, God turns his back. But God is your father. And I believe the spirit of God wants to reformat your mind to understand the father, that God the father loved you before you were born in a human flesh. God ordains you. God had a plan for you. God sent Jesus to die for you. If it was only you that said God saved, Jesus would have came. If it was only you that said yes, God would have sent Jesus. And when you get healed in your heart, you begin to work not from a place of earning something, but you begin to work from a place and a space called grace. What would happen to you if you became so convinced of God's goodness in your life that you believed everywhere you went favor was going to manifest? What would happen to you if when God put you in rooms with great people, you believed you were all you were supposed to be in that room and you were equipped to be in that room and there was no rejection, there was no fear, there was no shame? What would your prayer life look like if you didn't have to feel that you had to earn something from God but you could boldly come and magnify him and worship him and talk to him and praise him and glorify him see it's the father's heart that will heal your heart it's the father's heart that will heal every wounded place every deep place every dark place I want to challenge you under the sound of my voice if you're saying tonight I see myself in this word I want you to go on a quest in the next 30 days to dive deep in the father's heart I want you to do Bible studies on I want you to buy books on it. I want you to get so convinced that God loves you and his plan is audaciously good that you wake up every morning excited about what God is going to do. The father's heart is critical. And here's the problem. We often view the father's heart and the father's role through the pain that we've experienced through earthly fathers. So if we've had a bad encounter, interaction with our Father, that's why the Holy Spirit is comfortable and safe. That's why Jesus is comfortable and safe. But the Father is scary. There's men in this room and men online that the scariest assignment you have in your life is to be a father. I remember when people started to call me a spiritual father. I said, oh God, I can be a prophet that's comfortable. I could be a preacher that's comfortable. I could be an educator that's comfortable. I could be an apostle that's comfortable. But I don't know how to do this, God. And God said to me, that's okay, son. If you learn to be a son, you'll learn how to be a father. And the problem is often we want to learn to be a prophet and not be a son, not be a daughter. We want to learn to be an intercessor and not be a son and not be a daughter. The father's love is critical. If you're going to get healed, you've got to press into the acceptance of the Father. You've also got to confront false identity. Some of you heard yourself in some of these things tonight. You've got to confront false identity and associated behaviors. You need people in your life that love you enough to call you out. 
Somebody was talking to me recently, and they said, no matter what, what changes you make in your life, you seem to stay too busy. And I said, it's called addiction. Like some people are addicted to substance. I'm addicted to work. So what do I have to do? I have to put people in my life to help me, to say, hey, this right here is not good. This right here. Now, you can't just have anybody do that. You get the wrong people, and they're, 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 that's not going to help you. But you've got to begin to confront those areas. You've got to let the Holy Spirit begin to confront those areas. And then you've got to create accountability systems and partners. And lastly, you've got to journey into the walk of the Spirit. It was Paul that wrote, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you, you means me, you means you on Facebook and YouTube and in the Spirit. The law of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, that it was weak through the flesh, God did. Who? God the Father. How did he do it? Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and an offering for sin. He condemns sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Notice that. Who do not walk. Someone say walk. Stay with me for about 10 more minutes and I'm done. Who do not walk. To walk means human effort. So it means that I've got to begin to move. If you, when you walk out of this building tonight, those of you on YouTube and Facebook, when you get up and walk around your living room, walk around your kitchen, the first thing you've got to do is your brain has to tell your body, I'm about to get up. Legs, I, I need you to begin to work. And if people have neurological disorders, sometimes there's a problem of the signal going from here down to here. But when we begin to walk, we begin to tell our body's body, you're going to get up. And so to walk means you've got to put effort. The Bible said the Holy Spirit is your helper. Do you know the word help indicates you're doing something? If you say, can you help me? That would be an indicator that you're doing something. I can't help you if there's no activity. And so how do I get out of this place called rejection? One of the ways is you begin to walk in the spirit. When I get up in the morning 15 minutes early and pray in the spirit, I'm walking in the spirit. When I put on worship on YouTube and I begin to listen to the goodness of God. I mean, some of you might just need to blast that song, the goodness of God, a hundred times a day until it saturates your brain. I'm walking in the spirit. When I open my Bible, Bible. Well, Apostle, I don't understand the Bible. Get on you version, and they've got a daily verse. Get in that one verse and read it five or six times every day. You can even play the audio and let it read to you. Play that thing. When I'm doing that, I'm walking in the Spirit. When I got up out of bed or those in online, when I got in front of my phone or computer and said, I'm going to listen to Apostle at ATL Hub on this deliverance series, I'm walking in the Spirit. And what did the Holy Spirit say? The Holy Spirit said, I'm a helper. So when you begin to walk, I'm going to walk with you. When and you don't know how to walk, I'm going to teach you to walk. You don't know how to pray, I'm going to fill your mouth. I'm walking. I'm walking. I'm walking. I'm walking. I'm walking. When I go to Pastor Tay and say, Pastor Tay, I need you to be an accountability partner. When I begin to overwork, draw to my attention, and I'm walking. When I begin to, to 
for defined relationships and say these ones are not healthy for me I'm walking you know, is it going to be hard it's going to be hard but the Holy Spirit's going to help you some of you just got to make a decision today that you're walking out of rejection it's not going to happen overnight it may not happen in a week it may not happen in a month it may not happen in a year but the deliverance process starts tonight we just get up and begin to walk in the spirit Paul said walk in the spirit pray daily in the spirit praise God daily worship God daily pray in English what did Paul say I will pray in the spirit I will pray in the understanding I will sing in the spirit I will sing with the understanding when I'm believing for my finances to be broken out and I bring my tithe or I click my phone and give that offering I'm walking in the spirit it doesn't make sense to my mind because my mind says you better hold on to everything you've got but the Bible said give and it shall be given unto you so it doesn't make sense I'm walking in the spirit come on when I sign up for the new members classes I need this word in my life I'm walking in the spirit when I commit to be a greeter what am I doing I'm walking in the spirit because now when my body says you're tired don't go to ATL Hub I'm committed now I'm gonna get up I'm walking in the spirit see breaking rejection is about breaking patterns I came to tell five people tonight it is a pattern breaking night we're about to make a decision collectively in this building and online that we're gonna walk out of pain we're gonna walk out of bondage we're gonna walk out of fear we're gonna walk out of intimidation God said I'm not giving unto you the spirit of fear but a power of a love and of a sound mind you're about to walk into new places you're about to walk into new spaces you're about to walk into new territories you're about to walk out of limitation into abundance you're about to walk out of rejection into acceptance you're about to walk out of pain into prosperity you're about to walk out of barrenness into fruitfulness you're about to walk out of blindness into spiritual vision you're about to walk out of stalled out nature into momentum you're about to walk out of past trauma into absolute freedom you're about to walk out of not understanding the father into his arms of mercy into his arms of grace because God said I'm here tonight to deliver the oppressed I'm here tonight to set the captive free I'm here tonight to break bondage I'm here tonight to deliver prophets I'm here tonight to deliver women of God I'm here tonight to deliver men of God as we're coming into Easter Sunday resurrection miracles God said I want to do a miracle in your mind a miracle in your heart I want to heal your stony heart I want to heal your rejected heart I want to heal your broken heart I want to heal your tormenting mind I want the nightmares to stop says the Lord I want the terrors to stop saith the Lord I want to rebuke anxiety over your life saith the Lord I want to deliver your bloodline saith the Lord I want to infuse you with strength saith the Lord I want you to loose a praise where there was pain says the Lord because as you worship me power is lifted up had I not said in my word that praise steals the avenger when the people of God begin to praise demon powers are bound when the people of God begin to praise healing comes forth when the people of God begin to praise angels move when the people of God begin to praise healing flows when the people of God begin to praise deliverance takes place I believe tonight God is resetting somebody's praise I believe tonight God is resetting somebody's worship I believe tonight God is resetting someone's prayer I believe tonight God is breaking the shackles of your family's bondage God is breaking rejection I believe there's some prophets you're about to be turned upside down I believe there's some inner 
intercessors. You've been rejected. You've been locked out. I see the Holy Ghost breaking the locks. And I see the announcement being made. Doors are opening now. Doors of favor are opening now. Doors of blessing are opening now. Doors of provision are opening now. Doors of acceleration are opening now. You thought you were locked out. But I'm about to let you out. I'm about to bring you forth. I'm about to break you out, says the Lord. The doors are being opened in the spirit realm. As you praise me, I'm opening doors. As you praise me, I'm breaking locks. As you praise me, I'm breaking chains. I am the chain breaker, says the Lord. Somebody lift your voice and praise him tonight. Come on on YouTube. Come on on Facebook. If you're praising God, put your hands up. Online, put the hands up emojis. Come on. I'm praising God, my healer. I'm praising God, my deliverer. I'm praising God, my father. I used to be bound, but now I'm free. Come on. I'm giving God glory like I believe I'm free. I'm giving God praise like I believe I'm free. The prison doors are opening and I'm coming out. God said, come out. God said, come out. God said, come out. God said, come out. Come out of hiding. Come out of bondage. Come out of fear. Come out of deception. This is your year. The doors opening. Hallelujah. Come on and give him glory. Give him glory. Give him glory. Father, we lose your love. We lose your love. We lose your love. We lose your love. I feel the Spirit of God moving on this broadcast online, moving in this building. I feel the Spirit of the Lord breaking you out tonight. Some of you didn't know why you tuned in. You didn't know why you came. But God said the rejection is about to loose you. God said rejection is about to leave you. God said there's about to be a breakthrough tonight. Oh God, oh God, oh God. Oh God, oh God, oh God. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your power. Oh Come on and lift those hands and lift those voices. You at home, lift those hands and lift those voices.